I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey there, and welcome to Lead with Impact. I am Brian, and I am so excited for today's episode. We are going to be speaking to Megan Kaiser. Now, if you don't know Megan, she's an author, actor, film producer, travel expert, and pretty much an all-around creative genius. Her book, Everywhere for Nothing, Free Travel for the Modern Nomad, is described as a ticket to a high-value, life-changing, and free travel experience. But most of all, Megan is someone who really makes an impact, which is why I am so looking forward to talking to her. So, let's get to it. And we are fortunate today to be joined by Megan Kaiser. Megan, (laughs) welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to finally talk to you. Oh, it's great. So can you tell our listeners exactly what you do? Shoot, I wish I could, but I can't even tell myself exactly what I do. (laughs) Um, I am certainly someone who has, what's the saying? My hand in a lot of pots? That's not the saying. do you know what it is? My hand in a lot of stuff. Well, I think I think it's pretty close. <laughs> we get the visual. Um, but to take a quick snapshot of what I do, what maybe what I've been doing for the past few months, um, I've spent uh, a lot of energy doing ghost writing, uh, blogging for myself. I'm cur- lately my obsession is real estate investing, and I do some acting and producing uh, as well. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, it does. It does sound. Like, I I don't I don't understand how it all works, but it does. I'm not one of those crazy, busy people. I try very hard not to be, but instead of kind of instead of that, I just have a lot of things floating around, and I can kind of reach up and grab one to work on when I feel like it. That is amazing. Now, travel is a big part of your life too. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I. I just published my first book back in November, um, and it's called Everywhere for Nothing, Free Travel for the Modern Nomad, and it's about all the ways to travel for free. Um, I did that in my mid-20s. I'm doing less of it now. Now I'm traveling mostly for work or just just because I want to go somewhere, but um, traveling is a big part of my mentality of everyone should be able to do whatever they want. And I know a lot of people want to travel and think it's impossible because of money, but my book really dispels that myth. Well, that sounds like a brilliant subject. I'd love to talk about that. Maybe we can come back to that and circle around. So I'd like to ask you sort of how did you get to where you are now doing all these things and what made you want to start out on that journey? Well, I'm not sure that I ever had much of a choice to start out on this journey or if I if it was ever a very conscious thing. I knew senior year of university, I was studying international business and marketing at University of Georgia. And I was in the honors program and I was doing really well in school, but something happened in college where I just kind of realized that I do not want to do stuff like what everyone else thinks we're going to do. I don't want to do it. People would come to our classes in their business suits and having just been to an interview or they're doing their uh, internships. And I was just like, this is not what I want to do. Um, so after college, I graduated 2008, super great time for the economy, as we all know, <laughs> and didn't have anything lined up. I just didn't want to line anything up. I wanted to go abroad and do some sort of work overseas And in reaching out to various people, a job fell into my lap. Um, I I actually thought it was in Asia. The name was Amangani. I was speaking with a Japanese woman who was in HR. It was actually in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, it turned out, after a couple interviews. (laughs) But I heard Jackson Hole was beautiful. And I said, okay, that sounds good. 
So I moved to Wyoming, not not even knowing that it, it was an eight months of winter town and loved it still. It is one of the most beautiful places in America in the world. And uh, I did this hotel job. I was a guest manager and I hated it. I hated it so much. It was like a five-star hotel where you had to think about Mr. Mr. Face is going to want his orange peeled when he gets back from skiing. So it wasn't for me. I quit that after about four months. And I was like, I spend all my time thinking about food. I'm going to try to get in the food industry. And I found a little, um, it was like a miniature Whole Foods. And I started off as the cheesemonger there. I really loved reading about cheese. And I was like, well, I can sit here and read nonfiction cheese books constantly. So I'm just going to go with that. And then I ended up this store was pretty new and I ended up playing, playing a pretty formative role. And after a couple of years, I was the general manager and, um, wanted to figure out what was next. Cause I was ready to leave the eight months of winter. It had been three and a half years there. And I was like, I'll go on a big travel odyssey and learn more about food. Cause I, I felt like that was the direction in which I wanted to go. Didn't know. That's all. I just kind of had a whiff of the direction. So I spent 16 months traveling for free. I was volunteering in exchange for room and board. I would find the really good cooks. Um, it's kind of like I used a Facebook for um, this pro. It was basically like a Facebook for volunteers and people who needed volunteers. Super grassroots. It's called HelpX and, and WorkAway, if anyone's wondering. And I would read people's profiles. If they mentioned, like, I love cooking or I'm a great cook, I'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll go to your place, stay with you for a couple weeks and move on. And I was in 13 countries and stayed with like 18 families. And when I came back, surprise, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I was 26. Um, and I putzed around, I was doing, I was rating for money. I was like rating websites for Google at home and being generally aimless. And I met a guy at the time, as you do, he said he was moving out to Los Angeles to pursue acting and comedy. And I just thought, well, that sounds fun. I've always kind of wanted to do that. I'd always been into comedy and bits of acting here and there. And so I just hopped on that bandwagon. We moved out to L.A. Um, the relationship definitely did not last. But L.A. influenced me in a great way because there were all these people pursuing their passion. And a lot of them, God, they probably should they probably should have been doing something else. But it was great to see all these people pursuing what they wanted to do, if it was harebrained or bonkers, like crazy art or crazy acting or comedy. And even if they weren't that great, they were still successful, which that doesn't sound super inspiring. But for someone like me, I was still couldn't conceive of ever doing anything artistic because I was like, well, you have to be born um, as an artist. You have to have always done that all your life. And... And what I learned in Los Angeles is that's just not true. Anyone can do this stuff. So I had some success with commercial acting and I had, I was doing a lot of comedy, uh, improv. And then I got into this stuff called the idiot workshop. And it was just kind of going on stage, trying to connect with the audience, trying to get a reaction by just mostly being a heightened version of yourself. And that helped me really learn how to be vulnerable in front of a huge crowd and learn how to be myself and see that that was okay. Um, so huge props to Idiot Workshop for that, as as cheesy as the whole like comedy classes things yeah. are. Something yeah. about all that made me realize that I could, number one, I can kind of, I could at least try to do whatever I wanted. And number two, I had something to say that wasn't just, I've, I've got an education. I had something to say that was uniquely mine. And after about two and a half years in LA, I decided I wanted to be a writer. Um, and that just came about, I'd been traveling in Italy. I was traveling for free couch surfing. And one day I was just journaling and thought and did a short story. And I thought, this is really fun. So this is what I'm going to do now, at least try. So I left Los Angeles um, spent a year house sitting. So I didn't have any, uh, home expenses and I was eating a lot of the food at the houses. And I said, this is the time I'm going to finish the book. I had begun about three years prior about how to travel for free. I said, I'm going to finish this book. I'm going to focus on blogging and I'm going to chronicle this journey of how to make a living just off of this harebrained creative desire to be a writer, even though I have zero credentials. 
Um, so I, I worked on the blog. I started finding random writing jobs just through using upwork.com. Things like write an article on the five best blenders and <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> and did you do it? Yo, yeah, I did it. And it's, I spent so much time on these things, but I, and even though that sucked, I enjoyed the process of refining words, of taking a bunch of stuff, like a block of marble, and then just chiseling it down into something that came from me and was refined mm -hmm. just by me. So I, I knew I was on the right track. Um, and then I, so in that year, I think I lived in Santa Fe, Portland, a little bit of Los Angeles. And then I moved to the East Coast. I moved to Georgia still was getting kind of growing and getting more writing jobs uh, enough so that I could spend most of my time finishing the book. And most of the time, I, I'm a big, okay, I'm, I'm really big about time wealth, uh, making sure that I have plenty of time in my life to just do what I want. And that doesn't mean Netflix and it does, I don't spend a lot of time, you know, doing nothing, but I spend a lot of time doing the random things that I want to do in whatever moment. And I can't even tell you what they, it could be gardening, it could be cooking, it could be journaling for way too long. Um, so I just had always made enough money doing that. I finished the book last year, and then I was kind of like, all right, what's next? I started doing some ghost writing, and I don't even know how I got, I got these jobs. You pitch, you kind of give them a sample of your writing, and um, I started getting jobs doing that. And that's been... It took, so it took a couple of years, but now I feel like I can say I'm a writer, I'm an author, I really love doing this, and I don't know if it's where I'm going to stay, because lately I've been doing a bit more producing for scripts, based on some friendships I had in Portland and Los Angeles. I just filmed a pilot for Travel Channel's website, and it's called 24-7, and it's how to see a city on $7 a day, so hopefully I'll soon be the host of a series of those episodes. Um, I'm really into real estate right now. So who knows? I'm doing lots of things and I don't know where anything is going to go. And that's generally the state that I've been living in for the past 10 years, but in a comfortable way. So far, the universe has treated me really well by just um, following it, following these little whiffs and just saying, I smell something in that direction. I'm going to walk that way. And I've gotten comfortable with it. I wasn't at first and now I just, I trust it. And that's, and, and here I am. <laughs> that is an incredible story, I have to say. And there's... <laughs> A lot, so much I would like to ask you about, and I'll try to just hit the highlights. So going back to when you were traveling, you talked about how you sort of, uh, I don't know if you were house-sitting or maybe volunteering is the first part you talked about. How, did, how does one support oneself doing that? Because I suppose you can't support yourself just volunteering was there some other income source were you already writing at that point or what did that look like so i saved up i've since i was in a teenager i always had this idea of i'm going to take a big trip one day and so i started working when i was 14 and always put money away to a freakish degree i'll i'll give all my peers that that i was a bit of a freak about like <laughs> no i'm not going to go to this movie right now because I need to save all my money for something that I don't can't even specify. Um, right. I knew that there were big things that I wanted to spend on. I didn't know what they were, but I had at least the long-term foresight to just put money away. So when I took that long trip, I, I think I had about 4,000 saved up. And the great thing about it is once I got to Europe, flights are so cheap or you could hitchhike or get around relatively cheaply. And I was staying at these places for two weeks to a month and they give you room and board. So you literally don't have to spend a thing. Um, if I had been writing at the time, I could have been making income because you work, you volunteer for three to four hours a day, usually doing something meditative like gardening or weeding or whatever. And then you have the rest of the time completely free to do whatever you want. So if you want to go walk along the countryside or maybe you're in Paris and you want to do whatever there, but if you're a digital nomad or you are an entrepreneurial sort, you could be doing whatever kind of online um things you want to do at the time. I wasn't then. I was just not making money, but not spending money. Um, and I ended up coming back with money to spare to kind of get set up wherever I landed. And is this a lifestyle that people can still pursue? Abs oh God. Yes. And it's shoot. I wish more people did it. It drives me crazy, especially with the digital nomad thing. It's, 
it's such an amazing way to travel and see the world and get this human experience because you're living a lot of the times you you're living in the homes of these total strangers and you're eating with them and working with them and the interpersonal kind of insight you get through that will make anybody a better person even if it's super annoying for me I'm an introvert I don't like seeing people all the time <laughs> um I like seeing humans like <laughs> a couple times a week Apart from my boyfriend, he's great to have around. <laughs> um, but it's it made me grow a lot, and it made me learn a lot about teamwork and just especially being exposed to other people's relationships. Um, it made me realize what I wanted and didn't want in my relationships. Um, so there's that. You also have opportunities where you'll be you'll be in like kind of a, a grandma suite, and you don't have to see people so much, but. I did that, but I also discovered house sitting in that trip where you just have to take care of people's pets and their homes and you're, you can live in style and do whatever you want. So it's another great thing. If you want to travel and do an online business or be a writer, it's just, God, why aren't more people doing this? It's fantastic. Yeah. My next episode may be from Paris. I'll be podcasting from there. After I get done weeding, I will be podcasting. Perfect. You got I'll it. Ha- I'll have Megan to thank for it. <laughs> you will. Now, now, tell us a little bit about the writing, because you told us sort of how you came upon that. And I guess this even goes beyond the writing. From your story, it sounds like on a couple of occasions, you just decided you were going to be something, and you became it. And you <laughs> didn't necessarily ask anybody's permission. You just said, I'm going to be a writer. Or I'm going to be an actor. Is that a good interpretation of how that happened? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, it sounds like, it sounds like some badass decision, but it's really, it wasn't. It was just kind of a rational. A lot of people do this stuff who aren't very talented. I know I can be better than at least, you know, sixty to seventy percent who are already successful. So I'm going to make a rational decision and be like, if I put in the work. I can I can make an income from this because people who probably shouldn't make an income do. Right. So it's just that. Um, especially with writing was a harder one because the stakes were higher. I really wanted to be a good writer. I love writing. I love books. I felt like a lot of my if I failed, it would have hurt a lot more than if I had failed at acting. Um, and so I had a lot of you know, who am I to do this? Like, it was tough. It was a tough, it was a tough time and it's still tough, but I just kept doing it, kept writing and reading about writing. I, um, one of my favorite books was on writing well. And Derek Sivers recommended that to me and just, and his style, he gave me a lot of advice and his style of writing influenced me a lot. And it just, the more, if you're that 10% of person who's constantly trying to educate yourself on whatever it is you're doing, you're going to be, you're going to be better than the other 90%. I think a lot of people learn their craft and they just kind of stop there, but someone else is always, always trying to get to the next level. So as long as you're doing that, I just, I think you get rewarded by whatever, by the universe, by, by the powers that be, or even, you know, you manifest it for yourself, however you want to look at it. But yeah. One of, one of the things I really enjoy about your writing is, especially on your blog, you are really very open about how everything doesn't always come easy every time. And that sometimes we have to fight for things. So I guess I just would like to sort of expand on that topic and ask you, through all your travels we just talked about, what was your biggest struggle? Um... Well, I would say it was not, it's money. It's not knowing where the money's going to come from. Um, oh, there's been a lot right now. I'm not there. I try to stay pretty present with, with my emotions. And it's so if I'm trying to remember, it's that feeling of like, am I being crazy to think that I can do this? Who am I to think that I should just be able to la-di-da my way throughout life And is this going to work? Am I going to end up on the streets? And that was really hard, a lot harder at first. And I've just slowly 
you just keep taking the risks. You keep in, you keep not ending up on the streets. And I've learned that I'm, I can trust myself to get myself through pretty much any situation. Like I trust at this point that I will figure it out. If something happens and I have to quit writing and I have to go to a real job, I'll do it. But I've never, I've not yet gotten to that point. And over these 10 plus years of having not gotten to that point, I finally come to trust that I'll keep figuring things out as long as I keep trying to live in a way that is aligned with whatever it is I want at the time. And that cha- that's changed a lot. I just wrote a book on all the ways to travel for free, but I'm kind of like, all right, what's next? I'm, I'm done with free travel. I want people to do it, but I want to know what's next. Like how else can I influence people to live however they want? So the hardest thing I think is just trusting to, is, is being able to bet on yourself and to get to that point where you trust that things are going to be okay as long as you keep focused and get through the lulls. And every time you get through a lull, you're stronger for the next one. So. And that's so important because most people, a lot of people, just wouldn't do what you did because of the fear. They have those same fears and that keeps them home. And it's really valuable to hear somebody said, I sort of, to hear someone say, I sort of felt that fear, but I went and did it anyway and everything turned out okay. Yeah, and I, I got to, you're exactly right. And I feel really lucky that I, I early in my 20s, I felt like I, I couldn't, there were times when I thought I should go get a traditional job and I just kind of felt like there's no way anyone's going to hire me. I've been, I don't have any track record at this point. I didn't get a job after college or I didn't get, you know, a, a nice job after college. I've been bouncing around. I've, at the time, I thought I couldn't get a real job. So I was like, well, I just have to figure this out on my own. Um, and thank goodness that I perceived it that way because sure, I could have gotten a real job, but I just, I didn't think I could. I thought I had to figure it out on my own. So that's what I, I thought that's what I had to do. And I did. Now I realize like, that's a, that's a great thing. When you have to figure it on out on your own, when you're in that place of fear and discomfort, because you don't really know what's going to come next. Like that is the place to live because that makes you, that forces you to create and it puts the fire under your, you know what, to make you rely on yourself and figure it out. And that used to be really scary. That used to be really scary. And I, I was down on myself a lot and now it's, now it's great. So, <laughs> and now I can trust like it's, Oh, I'm in this place. Good. It means I'm not comfortable. It means that I'll figure out what the next level is. Um, I'm one of my friends recently lost their job that they've had since, since they graduated. They're 35 now. And I can't imagine what it'd be like to have kind of been in the same job for 15 years and suddenly be out of a job and then have to start figuring out how it's not even figuring it out. It's learning how to trust yourself and, and how to move through the fear and find out what's on the other side of the fear. Everyone can do it. I feel really lucky that I've been doing it for so long, but it's just a process. And as long as you trust it and stick with it, you get to the other side. So what advice would you give somebody then that's sort of on the edge of a change and there's a lot of evidence to tell them that they will be successful if they do change, but they know there's nothing's guaranteed and that risk is just holding them back. I'll say the most difficult, one of the more difficult things for me throughout all this was putting time and effort into something when I couldn't see what the payoff would be. So I would say make, don't, you know, make enough money to where you can live comfortably. If you have people to support and you put yourself in that situation, follow through, like be a solid person, take care of yourself, take care of your family if you have one, but make just enough so that you can spend every waking extra minute that you have on pursuing what you actually want to do. And that means control your finances. Don't spend on if your true goal is to be happy and to have freedom, then you need to let go of Amazon Prime, of Netflix, of unlimited data on your phone. Like you need to minimize every single expense so that you can truly feel okay about spending tons of time on developing your 
your craft because the money might not be there at first, but you have to put the time in. That's just, uh, this, this person I was just talking to lost their job. They want to get another job lined up so that they can have, so that they can have this financial security before, you know, maybe pursuing their own thing. And I'm, I'm very much in the mindset of, yeah, get, pay your bills, but what you really need to be focusing on right now is creating the time to explore what's inside of yourself because it takes a ton of time. It takes years and you've already lost years of not doing it. So you've just make that that priority. Like if it if you had a kid, you would say my priority now is making this kid's life great, is protecting it. Like treat yourself the way you would treat having a baby. You would put everything into it and make and to make sure that it grows up well. Well, you have to spend that same time on yourself. I I don't know I don't know where the disconnect is for other people, but it is just as important, especially if you've grown up in this way that's where you've been kind of like me, brain brainwashed into thinking like you go to school, you get a job, you retire. Well, you have to recreate a mindset. And that that took you a lifetime to get a kind of a maybe a mistaken mindset to think it had to look a certain way. Well you, well, you got some time to make up for, and it's real. It absolutely is. So I think that is outstanding advice, but I just have to clarify. You're suggesting people may have to give up Netflix. I don't know how popular that's going to be. <laughs> well, look, there's Hoopla. If you get a library get a library card, there's Hoopla. You can get free movies. They're not as good, but sometimes. But you know what? Life Life's tough. Life's tough. Sometimes you got to forego that Netflix. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> now, I want to shift over to writing. I want to come back to that a, a bit, if we could, because a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are people that want to advance in their careers or do things with impact. And I think writing is a big part of that, being able to express yourself in the written form. And I guess I would just like your thoughts. I, yes, I think writing is amazing. Obviously I, there's two things. There's the idea of writing as a practice, the same as meditation or yoga or exercise or whatever. I think everybody in the world would benefit from journaling more often. And it doesn't have to be dear diary. Here's my thoughts and feelings and emotions, but there's something about taking the jumble of stuff that's in our heads all the time and just creating a pathway from the brain down the arm through the hand and onto paper. It clarifies things for you. It is just a conduit to see your thoughts physically in a different way from how you can see them when they're in your head. So by journaling, draw, it can be drawing pictures. It can be poems. It can be fragments of thoughts. It can just be crazy scribbles and words. And there's not a right way to do it, but there is something very huge to be said for getting what's in your head out in front of you somehow. And that's for the sole selfish benefit of having a different way to view your thoughts. Um, I think that's a practice that someone should implement. Everyone should implement, even if it's for three minutes a day and then build it up to five minutes, but any amount of writing and trying to be true, not thinking about what you're writing. Cause that's a huge mistake. Um, if you're just trying to journal, just get it out there, barf under the paper and don't try to sound good. Um, that would, that would be great for anybody's life. Just do it. Um, make it a practice. And then there's writing to try to, there's writing for your business or to try to get it out to the world for whatever reason. So journaling again, you need to be able to do that because what I see in people's writing most often is they think that it has to be a certain way. Um, and I saw this in actors too. You think it has to be a certain way and then it ends up all wrong because you're not being honest. So it always has to be about your own personal crap. Like you've got to just be honest with whatever's in your mind. Um, now, so I'm just thinking if you're trying to write and it needs to sound professional, if you're not, if, if writing isn't your thing, if you're more of a talker, if you're a drawer, if you just love physical expression, just don't, don't worry about it. We can't all be the best at every single thing. Hire someone else to do your writing. Get a friend to do it. I write for my friends all the time for free. Um, 
And I, I, so hopefully I'm answering your question there. I have a lot of random opinions about writing, depending on the style it is, uh, is, is some of that. Yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, I love it because I think it's just valuable to be able to express yourself in my world where I come from corporate. It's astonishing sometimes when people have a difficult time even stringing together a paragraph or two in an email and making it coherent. Oh God, I know. And for some reason, we most people have a block in their mind about what they think, about thinking that, the, that writing is different from thoughts. And it's not. Writing is just the expression of thoughts. And I don't know... And that's all personal, that's all personal stuff that's getting away in the way. And that's why the whole, there's the trifecta of, of emotional, physical, professional. Is that, is that what I think the trifecta is? Emotional, physical, professional. No, yeah, more or less. Sounds maybe, close enough for me. Maybe sometimes substitute, I substitute professional with m mental, mental development, like the kind of logical side of things. But if you don't, if you're not, okay with yourself as just a vulnerable, normal human being who has emotions, that's going to show up in every single other aspect of your life. It's not just like, well, I'm not very in touch with my emotions, but that's fine because my relationship works or I don't want a relationship right now. It transfers over into everything. So that's why I think writing, if you don't want to write professionally for your job, you still need to write because you need to know, you need to get as many glimpses as possible toward what's going on inside of your mind. Because newsflash, we don't really know what's going on inside of our minds. We think we do, but it's just, that's silly. We don't. Um, well, I was thinking that this that same thing when you were talking before about journaling. I can't say I do it every day, but I probably should. But there's been times in the past when I'm just writing out my thoughts and literally what I thought surprised me, or at least what came out on the paper surprised me. And I, it was almost like, I didn't know I felt that way until I actually put it on the paper. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's been tons of times for me when, when I'm writing and not thinking about what I'm writing, I'm just kind of stream of consciousness writing. And it's like, Oh God, there's the answer right there. Um, and that happens for a lot of people, but it's just important to do. And, and when you talk about there's that side of writing and then there's the professional writing from corporate world, that gibberish, that LinkedIn blah, blah stuff that isn't normal the way humans talk. And it's extremely frustrating because it's dishonest. It's not who we are to write like that. And hopefully that'll change. That'll have a paradigm shift eventually to get rid of that silly LinkedIn lingo. But <laughs> I think the most successful people in all that are the people who can relate on a human level. If, if they can kind of minimize that, like, that silly San Francisco talk and just say, Hey, I'm a human on the other side of whatever you're reading. That's what, that's what earns you success. I agree. Now I mentioned you writing before on your blog and how my sense of it was that there was a degree of vulnerability, so to speak, and really a sense of openness. Would you agree that that's something you strive for? I certainly hope it's there. Um, I try when I write, if I'm not, I try to cultivate writing so that it's a time when I'm feeling honest. Um, usually those are mornings and I try to just turn my brain off and let it get onto paper. And then I transfer that to the computer. And yeah, I, people want to see what's real. Um, I, I think a lot of people present a version of themselves. That's, that's real self that's got their, got their stuff together and they're, they're this entrepreneur, entrepreneur that has all the answers and I'm just not that person. And I want to be really honest about the, the roller coaster that it is. And a lot of times my best writing comes from a time when, from the times that I'm feeling more emotional. And so my logical brain doesn't have as much power. Um, and, and that's, I, that's tends to be what resonates with people because we don't see that side of the human experience nearly as often as I think we sh should. I think there's a lot of people who feel alone out there because no one talks about emotions and they don't have anyone to talk about emotions to. So hopefully through my, hopefully there's some of that in my blog where they see that I, I feel like a screw up pretty consistently, but <laughs> it, it, tends, <laughs> it tends to work out. But that's what people <laughs> are attracted to that because we're all that way. 
we are all that way. The most successful people are all that way. The richest are all that way. And the gift is when you can when you can dance with it, when you can just be there in that space. Because it's going to happen whether everything is working out or not. You're going to just, we're little, we're weird creatures with hormones that pretty much direct everything. Um, they're going to dip and they're going to rise up. And the the best thing you can do, I think, is be in tune with that so you can ride along with it and not be in this place of resistance and judgment. Yeah, that's outstanding. A couple of questions about influences and particularly your influences. Was there a particular person who helped you along the way that you can think of or somebody who played a mentoring role that sort of guided you? I often think about when I started doing the idiot workshop in Los Angeles and, and, um, is I was doing improv and then I started doing something that was a bit more like clowning, which is not like painting your face and wearing a wig and a red nose. It was more like going out in front of the audience without a scene or a skit or a character in mind. It's just trying to connect based off of eye contact and maybe some and words and movement or whatever. And I, I, um, really like to do well at whatever I do. And I'm, I tend to be kind of hard with myself. And I was talking to, uh, one of my instructors who's, who's ended up being a really great friend and mentor, Chad Damiani. And he's a comedian and a script writer out in Los Angeles. And he said, look, the thing that gets in your way is you want to be perfect at everything. You want to be the A student. You want to be the teacher's star student. So become a student of failure make failure your goal and be the star student at failure. And that was a huge like, oh, of course, that's what I'll do. I'll just be the best person at failing. And so whenever I failed, it was a success. And that was really useful for me. And I would say when I started becoming a writer, um, Derek Sivers played a huge influence of just kind of helping me refine. Um, and his writing style is nice and clean. And uh, I also, I podcasts were huge for me. Jeff Goins, I think that's how yes. you say his last name. I listened to his podcast pretty obsessively for a few months. And then I transitioned to Tim Ferriss's podcast where he just, I don't listen to it as much anymore, but his, those first like couple hundred episodes where he's interviewing just the best, amazing people, people who bet on themselves and found success and just do whatever they want. And I don't mean do whatever they want. Like they, throw bricks through windows. They, they listen to what they want in their soul and they go after it. I listened to that. I was house sitting in Santa Fe and living in isolation and just like writing, being in front of the computer all day and then being alone at night. And that was like my world. That was my social life was listening. Cause I think you need to feed off. You need something that's going to keep you motivated, inspired and keep you on the right track when you're living in this state of of like what's going to happen next. So that was a huge inspiration for me. And then, then like trying to, it's that drink from a fire hose idea of just constantly putting inspiring people in my brain. So Tony Robbins type stuff, the people Tim Ferriss interviewed, reading tons of books on creativity and entrepreneurship and life design. All those were hugely influential during this kind of period. And, and they still are, but in that in that phase where I was like out in the middle of the sea, those were my, those were my life preservers. Yeah, I love all that content too. All those, all those people, they put up great yeah. stuff out there. Mm -hmm. and in fact, I think, I think I first found your website from in an email blast from Derek Sivers, if I remember right. Oh, funny. That <laughs> he had said, here's a bunch of stuff I really like and uh, sent me down the, the path to discover you. And, that actually is a nice segue to my next question because one of the things I love on your website is that you have a rather exhaustive list of the books that have influenced you or your favorite books. I'm not sure how you want to say that. So we talked about podcasts and individuals who helped you. What books were the greatest influence on you? Oh God, so many. And, and those were the books kind of that I was devouring during that year or two of saying like, okay, I'm, I'm going to officially try to be a quote unquote creative. Um, so as far as writing goes on writing well is just an amazing book. 
um, just on the whole craft of it. But let's see, I, I'm a big believer that you need to figure out your own demons, your own emotional self-esteem, all that stuff. If you want to, if you want to shot in hell uh, out in the world, you got to be at peace, at peace with your emotional stuff. So I tend to go, I, I want to learn about human psychology and just the way to deal with the, the things that hold us back, like fear. That all, I think, boils down to self-esteem and feeling whether or not like you deserve things. So you can read as many books as you want on entrepreneurship, but if you deep down don't believe you deserve it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even if you end up being successful because there's that horrible black hole of feeling like you don't deserve stuff because of unresolved stuff from people's past, which I just think everyone is dealing with for the most part, that it it's the missing piece of the puzzle for a lot of people. Anyway, so as far as that goes, one of my favorite books is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It's um, his experience during the Holocaust. And I, I, I guess what's so amazing about it is the way he finds not enjoyment in that process, obviously, but he gets through it and he creates something amazing out of it. And anytime I'm kind of like, boo, my life isn't working out and I'm not being productive enough. I just think about his experience. He was in Auschwitz and he still managed to create and to create something good out of it for the rest of the world. So that's been a huge, for me, it's just like, Megan, just wake up, like stop. You, you're not, you don't have it so bad. And you have it pretty freaking easy, all things considered. If you can't find a way to create in this situation, you're not working hard enough or you're not thinking about it right. Um, I also, a great book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, as stupid as that title is, it's just a very down-to-earth approach to talking to other people. I think I needed social skills more than others. Um, And... The other thing about that is so many of my opportunities in life have ended up coming by relationships and not by this like kind of obsessive pursuit of like, I need this for myself and I need to learn about that. A lot of times it just ends up being relationships. Um, I'd like to say it's, it's all, it's all the things I've learned and all my experiences that have gotten me to this modicum of success, but it's not, it's, it's mostly the people I meet and the relationships I've formed. Um, I think a book called Strangers to Ourselves was hugely influential, and it's about how active a role the subconscious plays in pretty much everything we do, and that's helped me to relinquish my my feeling that I need to control things. It's really helped me to just kind of go with the flow and trust my intuition because my conscious mind is not not as on top of things as I think, and. Uh, yeah, you know, there's there's a bunch more if you go to my my bossmegan.com blog and go to brain foods. There's a lot of good ones. You got to you got to read. If you want to be at the top of the pack, you just got to read a lot. Or if you want to be happy, if you want it's not about being at the top of the pack, so screw screw my saying that. Reading's <laughs> just important. Even if you hate it, if you think you're not a reader, stop thinking that way. If you can read, you're a reader. I know and love some of those books and some others I haven't heard of. So I, I'm looking forward to checking them out and hopefully people will check that out too. bossmegan.com slash blog to find those books. Is that right? Boss Megan and that's Megan with two G's and you can either click the link that says brain foods or if you do bossmegan.com slash recommended dash reading. That's a mouthful, but I don't know why I said dot or dot blog or slash blog. It's bossmegan.com. Exactly. You'll, you'll figure it out if you get to bossmegan.com. <laughs> yeah, you got so, it. And, of course, we forgot another very important book. That's your book on free travel. We'd like ah. to promote that, too. So where can people find that? So that's on Amazon. Um, it's everywhere for nothing. Free travel for the modern nomad. That's Amazon. Or you could go to the everywherefornothing.com. And buy it. it. If you want to travel, it will change your life. If you want your friends or your family member or anyone, um, it's a, it's, I, I say as humbly as possible, it's a, it's a great book to get you hitting the road. Do that and um, 
just do, just do it. Stop this. So many people think they can't do things because of whatever reason, but there's always a, there, there's usually a way. I won't say always, but. Many times. Yes. If you could send a message to yourself, here's a deeply philosophical question. We're going to test mm -hmm. you here. If you could send a message to yourself 10 years ago, what would you tell the younger Megan? Oh, <laughs> I would say, oh goodness. I would say stop trying to figure it out. Um, I, I really wanted to to think that I knew what my future would look like at the time. And I had a lot of anxiety around that. And if I was in any romantic relationships, I wanted to know like, well, how's this going to look and what are you going to be doing? And, and that's all, that's all useless to think about. Um, I wish I knew better at the time to just try to tap in to what gave me joy and try to build a life around that. And if it changed, then change with it. That's about it. <laughs> That's fantastic. So we sort of threw this out there, but where can people find you online? It's bossmegan.com with two G's. Yep. My Instagram is bossmegan. Same, two G's. That's where I spend most of my time. It's the same for Twitter. I'm not there often. I, I don't think I'll ever fully understand Twitter. Um, but Instagram, yeah. Instagram is uh, where we can find you along with bossmegan.com. That's and right. One last question. What does the future hold for Megan? <laughs> I wish I knew. <laughs> I wish I knew. I'm, I'm, wow, I just really never know. I, I go with what comes. I mean, I spent the last weekend producing a short film um, and doing some more acting. I thought that was over, but it's it's not, and I still happen to like it. I think there'll be... More books from me. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm into real estate right now. I might be just a crazy real estate investor lady. Um, All right, we have to talk about that. I, I can't let that go because you brought <laughs> it up a couple of times. Tell us about the real estate. I don't know what's going on here. I, I don't know. If it's, it seems so out of the blue for me, but I really like. I have all, I've always been in pursuit of finding a way to be able to do whatever I want pretty much all the time. And, and I don't need to be rich, but you do need some money. If you want to travel with a certain bit of, if you want to stay in, I'm at a point where I'd like to stay in hotels or nicer Airbnbs by now, you need some money. I want to, but I want the money as passively as possible. I want, I love writing. I want to be able to write whenever I want and not always have to do it for money. So I'm trying to always trying to figure out what's another way to make passive income. And I've just been learning about real estate lately. And it, I remember when I first read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, and he mentions real estate. And I, I was like, that will never be for me. I don't know the first thing about real estate. And as with all things you don't know about, the first thing about, once you start learning the first thing, then you start knowing things about it. And then it becomes attainable. So universe lately has been sending me information about that sounded super woo woo, but it's obviously been more specific than that. I've just been learning more about real estate investment and realizing that it's, it's not beyond me in any form or fashion. I don't need, I actually don't need any money to get, to get, to get started. And I just want to do it. I just want to do it to see if I can do it, <laughs> which, which tends to be the case with a lot of things I do. Um, so I'm, I'm have a mentor and I'm just going to delve into that and see if it's enjoyable. I don't see it being my main source of anything of creative fulfillment, but I like the idea of just building opportunity in that way. Uh, hopefully that makes sense. It does. So the next version of Megan, maybe real estate tycoon, Megan. Oh yeah. It, it probably will never be anything like that. Like, um, but it'll be someone who I've done a lot of things. And I do a lot of things. And look, it works out. I'm happy. It does. You find a way. It's, it's incredible. It's awesome. So do you have any last thoughts, Megan, that you can share with us? Yeah, I did just have a thought. Um, I think the important thing about all this, 
what I'd like to say, I, and, and I think it gets kind of not mentioned enough about creatives is a lot of people approach it with this hunger of like, I, I need to be successful. I need to figure out how to do this right. But more important than all of that is making sure that you're devoting just as much time to self-cultivation. Yes, creativity feeds the spirit and makes you feel happy. But if you're leaving behind these other very basic components of feeling good as a human in your body, then it's just not, you're missing the point. If you're, if you're not cultivating how to be a good person and how to be a happy person and how to give back through all of this. It's not enough to just say I became successful with my own projects. I, th I think more important than all of that is m making sure that you're happy with who you are without any of the titles. Um, that's the, that's the hardest thing. That's the hardest thing of all. And it deserves a lot of time. Um, and whether you do that through certain books or therapy or giving back to your community um, through a mentorship or whatever, discovering who you are at the bottom of all of it will reward you tenfold over the span of your life. And it will make everything, it will be the glue for everything else. So that was Megan Kaiser, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I really learned a lot about pursuing your passion and betting on yourself and trusting in yourself. If you found our podcast out there on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, if you could find it somewhere in your heart to subscribe for free, rate and or review us, that would mean the world. Other than that, I would just like to thank you for being along for the ride today. Go out, have a great day, lead with impact, and I will talk to you tomorrow.